to the Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. me, if you would, in your Bibles to James chapter 3. And as I was studying for this, I was thinking about when I was a kid. And how many of you, when, when you were kids, you ever read Aesop's Fables? Anybody? Well, I thought of one, and I, I had to do a lot of research to find it, but it talks about the tongue. It says, a donkey once found a lion skin which the hunters had left out in the sun to dry. He put it on and he went toward his na native village and everyone fled at his approach, both men and animals, and he was a proud donkey that day. And in his delight, he lifted up his voice and he brayed. And then everyone knew him. And his owner came and gave him a sound beating for the fright that he had caused. And shortly afterward, a fox came to him and said, I knew you by your voice. Fine clothes may disguise us, but silly words will disclose a fool. This whole chapter, chapter 3, talks about our words and our tongues. Let me just give you a little bit of biblical background of why we need to talk about our words. Today, the title of the message is The Pressure of Our Words. We've been talking about pressure points. We're under pressure to make sure we control our words. Hope you have your Bibles with me. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37, it says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that for every idle word that men may speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. And I think this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible for me. Matthew 12, 37. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The Bible says that on Judgment Day, we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account of every idle word that we've spoken. Now, I'm probably the only one in here that's ever done this, but every now and then, in the heat of the moment, 
in my excitement or my anger or whatever, a word comes out of my mouth. And as soon as it leaves my lips, I try to grab it and stuff it back in. Oh, the way you're all looking, I'm the only one that's ever done that. Okay, then, then you're all in good shape. But it is a frightening thing to me when I read this scripture and realize that I have to give an account before Jesus for what I say. And I have a problem sometimes in that I start the gears of my mouth before I engage the gears of my brain. And we have a little saying for that. We say something to somebody and then we go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think before I said that. Well, that's the problem. We need to think before we speak. Psalm 34, 13 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. And Psalm 35, 28, And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness, of your praise all day long. Psalm 37, 30, The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of judgment. Those are just three scripture that talk about the tongue from Psalms and Proverbs. There's 170 of them. I figured we didn't have time for me to read them all, so I just gave you a small spattering. But it's a wonderful word study sometimes to look up all of the places where the tongue and our words are mentioned. And then James dedicates an entire chapter to the tongue and our words. And he introduces it in chapter 1. James 1.19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. And then 1.26, he says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue... He deceives his own heart, and this one's religion is useless. And now he starts in chapter 3 and goes through this whole chapter to um, talk about the tongue. So we're going to look at chapter 3 today. It's basically in two sections. The first section talks about the untamable tongue. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Verse 1, let's read that. It gives a warning to teachers. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Pastor Mike Leakey made this statement. It says, most people want to be heard. I think we can agree with that. That's fairly accurate. And he says, what better way to be heard as a believer than to be a teacher of the word? Yet James urges us to consider the power of the tongue. We not, must not be hasty in propelling ourselves into the position where the tongue is constantly used because it is powerful and as such will incur a stricter judgment. This past week, or week before last, when I was in Malaysia during the conference, there was a statement that was said probably four or five times that stuck 
in my thinking. And it really challenged me. And that statement was this, verbal precision. And they were saying, when we stand before people and we preach or when we teach the word of God, we need to make sure that we have verbal precision. And I said, God, help me to do that. Help me to make sure that everything I say, I have the verbal precision that I know that I've checked it out, I've gotten the facts right, and I don't try to embellish anything to help God look better. God can take care of himself. So verbal precision. You know, if you do much on the internet or look at blogs or any political things going on in the world right now, there's a big um, thing talking about false news or fake news. And I mean, if you want to, you can go on the internet and you can believe anything you want. And if you search long enough, you can find somebody else that believes what you believe. And then you can tweet something and then they retweet it and then somebody else retweets it and then you get a you make a bot that retweet retweets for you and then you can become the trending thing on some off the wall something that you and only one other person in the universe believe. But if you look hard enough, you can find it. And we need to make sure that we when we preach the word that everything we say is truth. Verses two through eight, it says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in the word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, he puts a bit in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are very large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5, even this so the tongue is a little member, but boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And the tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison this set of scripture says if you can control your tongue you can control everything and I think it's interesting that he says here every one of us has trouble with this he says we all stumble over our words he says if you don't stumble then you are a perfect person 
I don't want you to raise your hand, but are you perfect? <laughs> we all have trouble with this, so no one is left out. If we can control our tongues, we can control our body as well. And then he gives an illustration of the tongue is just a small little thing, but how much power does it have? I wonder how many wars have been started just by the tongue. How many relationships have been destroyed by the tongue? A small little thing, but very powerful. And he uses the illustration, take a horse, put a bit in his mouth, and you can control him to do anything you want. I grew up on a cattle farm, horse farm. I used to um, rodeo some, uh, did barrel racing and pole bending and some of those types of things. And, you know, our we didn't have just the little horses that any kid could ride. We had work horses. They were all full of energy. I remember the horse I used to race in, I would get on him and we would get in the arena and he was so full of energy, his whole body would start trembling and he would start sidestepping like this until we got to the beginning of the race and then I'd turn him loose and he was gone. But I could make him do whatever I wanted because I had a bit in his mouth. Every now and then we would have people come to the farm and they'd want to ride and my dad would go, are you an experienced rider? And the one couple came and the lady said, well, I've done a little bit, but not much. And the, the guy said, yeah, I can ride anything. So we gave her one of our gentle mares. We gave him my racehorse. About three hours later, they come back. She's riding and he's walking. <laughs> he, he thought he knew how to ride, but he didn't. He didn't know how to really use the bit to control the horse. Look at the ships. I don't know if you've ever watched out here in the Gulf these big container ships coming by. I meant thousands and thousands of tons of steel, these massive ships, and the rudders on them, some of them are not much bigger than the door back there. But those rudders even though they're that small compared to the size of that ship, the captain can make it go wherever he wants. And then it says a little fire. It only takes a spark to get a forest fire burning. Where our office is in California for Vision International University, it's in the middle of what they call the fire belt. You know, you have the brush fires of California every year. Many of them are started simply by somebody driving down the road and flicking a cigarette out of the window. And that small little thing will start a fire that will destroy hundreds of homes and thousands of acres. It's a little thing, but it has much power. And then I thought it was interesting. He said all of the creatures of the sea and the creatures of the air and the creatures of the earth, man can tame them. 
you go to the circus and you see, you know, the guy sticking their head in the lion's mouth and all of this, you know, stuff that the elephants do and all of the animals that are tamed. But he said, with all of that, with all of the technology that man has, we can put someone on the moon. We can send a satellite to Saturn, to the ends of our known galaxy. I can see my granddaughters on my telephone with WhatsApp. I mean, with all of this technology we have, no one has ever been able to create an app that controls our tongue. If you can create that app, I guarantee you, you will be a multi-billionaire in no time. Something that can help us control our tongue. Verses 9 through 12, it talks about talking out of both sides of your mouth. Y'all understand that phrase? To talk out of both sides of your mouth? The American Indians used to have a saying of the white man. The white man speaks with forked tongue. You never know which to believe. So speaking out of both sides of your mouth. Verses 9 through 12. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Are a grapevine bare figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. P.H. David in his commentary on the book of James says this. At this point in chapter 3, James leaves all the metaphors and he gets very specific and clarifies his meaning of the tongue's instability. He said the issue is that the tongue is used for incompatible activities. On one hand, it's very religious, praising and blessing God. And on the other hand, it can be most profane in daily life. The need to avoid such duplicity in the tongue was commonplace among Jewish and early Christian ethics. We need to make sure that we don't bless and curse. We don't speak out of both sides of our mouth at the same time. Psalm 62.4 says, They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies and they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. It's like I heard the story of the little boy was very ruly, unruly in class. You've probably all heard this. And the teacher said, Johnny, sit down. So Johnny sits down. And he goes, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. How many times do we do that to God? 
we say one thing with our mouth, but we do something else inwardly. Pastor Mike Leakey said again, perhaps better than anything else, the tongue reveals the already, but the not yet of sanctification. What that means is we're all saved. We're all being sanctified, but our tongue helps us more than anything to realize we're not fully sanctified yet. And I want to ask a question, and if you, you can be honest with me if you want and raise your hand. How many of you, since you were saved, have said something you wish you had not said? How about since you got up this morning? <laughs> How about since you got to church? <laughs> don't, don't answer that one. <laughs> See, we must be alert to this most horrifying of inconsistencies in our life. The Grace New Testament commentary says, the same lips that bless our God and Father in a hymn, a prayer of praise, may also curse men despite the fact that they bear the image of God who created them. The same mouth can become the source of blessing and cursing Sometimes in such a swift transition that mere seconds suffice to move from one to the other. You're driving down the 30 and you have a worship CD playing and you're singing praises to God and somebody cuts you off and all of a sudden you have gone from blessing to cursing are saying something that you shouldn't have said. Now, you guys are all looking at me like I'm crazy or you're all guilty. Which is it? <laughs> guilty? Okay, one honest one here. No. <laughs> you know, preparing for this message, it was tough. Because every time I'd go through one of these things and I'd go, oh, man, okay, God, um, yeah. So I spent most of my time preparing for this message repenting. Because God brought back lots of things I've said to my kids when they were growing up. My kids are all grown. I mean, our baby's almost 33. So, I mean, it's been a long time since they were in the house, but I thought of things I said back then, and, oh, God, forgive me, things I've said to my wife, things I've said to people, you know, things I've said from the pulpit that maybe weren't exactly accurate. Oh, God, forgive me. Because all of us have this tendency to waver sometimes maybe at work we say something good about this person when we need something from them but when we're at the coffee pot with someone else that has a grievance against them we don't have anything good to say about them that's kind of what this is talking about 
Amen. The Bible says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. James, once again, in this scripture, says that he's talking to the brethren. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. When unbelievers talk like that, it's natural. But when we talk like that, he goes on in verse 11 and 12 and says it is not natural. You can't get fresh water and bitter water from the same spring. You can't get olives from a fig tree and you can't get figs from a grapevine. So you and I as believers, we need to spend time and ask God to help us to have verbal precision, to be able to say the things that please God. Then the last verses here, verses 13 through 18, says that there are demonstrations of our words. Verse 13 says our words should be demonstrated in meekness and wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. Basically, what James is saying here is he's saying, okay, you say you're wise, show me your wisdom. Like in verse 2.18, he says, oh, you have faith? Show me your faith. So we need to demonstrate our words, and they should be demonstrated in meekness and wisdom. D.J. Moose said this, James is clearly trying to say two things here. True wisdom produces good works, and true wisdom produces humility. If you're going to talk the talk, make sure you walk the walk. When I started my ministry, I used to teach little guys in children's church, two, three, four-year-olds, and we used to sing this song about talk the talk and walk the walk. In other words, let your actions line up with your words. Let your words line up with your actions and that way you please Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. Our words should be demonstrated by our lifestyle. And then the scary thing is in verses 14 to 16, it says our words can demonstrate wisdom that is from below. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, is sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. This verse starts with the word, but contrasting it with the scripture before it, which says that we should have our conduct in meekness and wisdom. He says, but if you have 
this bitter envy and self-seeking, you're totally different. See, envy is like, kind of like jealousy. It focuses on another person's possessions or another person's relationships. And it is a desire to either imitate or surpass another. And those types of things destroy our relationships. So we need to make sure that especially in the church because again he says he's talking to brethren these things ought not to be that we don't have envy and we don't have this self um, seeking or selfish ambition to get ahead of others I remember when our family first went to the mission field we lived in the nation of Haiti and voodoo is their main religion. And uh, we learned something very interesting there. If my child is doing better than your child in school, rather than you encouraging your child to study harder and do better, you go to the witch doctor to put a voodoo curse on my child to do less than your child. That's this type of wisdom that it's talking about. I mean, sometimes, even in the midst of our zealousy for God, we can fall into this. I remember there were a couple of guys that were real close with Jesus. And they heard about some people that were preaching that weren't part of their group. And they said, Jesus, let us call fire down from heaven on them. Have you ever gone to work sometime and just say, oh God, just let your fire fall down in this place today and <laughs> deliver me? You're looking at me again like I'm the only one that ever thinks these things. Come on, guys, this is a... This is a hard message. That's why I said we skipped it. Nobody wanted to preach it. <laughs> Makes us look at ourselves. I, I told Dell Monday when we were meeting and I was talking about this, Martin Sanders, who was one of the speakers at MICN, he says whenever he does a message like this, he always ends the message with an altar call. And at the altar call is just a giant mirror. And he just calls everybody in the church, just come up and look in the mirror. And anything you see that's not right, take care of it. This is the best mirror that we have that shows us our heart. The fruit of this type of wisdom is confusion and evil. See, as soon as we act out of wrath, or act out of anger or act out of envy or self-centeredness we are no longer serving God as we are supposed to and then verse 17 and 18 brings the positive side he says our words can demonstrate wisdom from above verse 17 but the wisdom that is from above is pure 
peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the wisdom, the words that are from above are pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. When you look at these, we can make a couple of observations. Number one, they describe what true wisdom is, but the focus appears to be on the effect that wisdom should produce. These are things that should be like fruit in our life if we have wisdom from above, if our words are from above. Think on these things. It's almost this same list. There's, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's the way God created us, Rick. I'm not sure. But there seems to be a link between what I think and what I say. I don't know why that is. Maybe y'all know, but it seems like what's up here seems to come out here. But that first scripture we said, it's even deeper than that. It's what's in here comes out of here. I've used this illustration before. I don't know if I've ever used it here. You want to know what's in your heart? Simple test. Ladies, get a brand new dress. Beautiful dress. Guys, brand new suit. Maybe you're going to a wedding or something. You're all spruced up. You're in your brand new clothes. And you're going and when you walk in wherever you're going, you're going to get the, wow, you're looking good today. And on the way from the parking lot to the venue, there's one mud hole. And some guy that's not paying attention hits that mud hole and splashes mud all over your brand new fancy clothes. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to the first words that come out of your mouth. Or you've just bought a brand new car, the first one you've ever owned. And you get that first scratch in it. You want to know what's in your heart? Listen to the words that come out of your mouth. See, we need to have words and our wisdom needs to be pure and peaceable and all of these things. So with this is talking more about our actions than just our thoughts, our lifestyle. And then the second thing that it talks about is this is not talking about just for individuals, but it's talking about corporately as community. Kristen's testimony fit in great with this because she talked about how she's learned to live in community. And in community, 
our wisdom, our words among us as believers in community and relationships together needs to have these attitudes and these qualities. And the fruit of this wisdom is righteousness. The fruit of the wisdom from below is confusion and evil. So all of that's great. You had a good Bible study on the tongue. So what? Let's look at some application. My first question I want you to ponder is what does your tongue reveal about your heart? Think about the way you talk with guys or gals at work, neighbors, your kids, your spouse. What does that reveal about your heart? Is your heart increasingly maturing? Is your speech becoming better? Or do you find your tongue is this restless evil that you're, you're having to fight all the time to keep it civil? I mean, sometimes we just say simple things that... Um, doesn't sound really bad, but then God reveals it to us. I talked to somebody some time ago and they were talking about, I can't remember what happened, but somebody said, forgive them. And they said, oh yeah, I'll think about it. And then some days later they did something and they were praying and they said, oh God, would you forgive me? He said, well, I'll think about it. And they go, what? And he said, well, yeah, if you set conditions on forgiving people, then I'll set the same conditions for you. Well, that's a scary thought, but we pray it all the time. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us as we forgive others. Basically, what we're saying is, God, in the same way I forgive people, that's the way I want you to forgive me. So ask God to help you control your tongue. My second question is, what do your words reveal about your wisdom? Is your wisdom from below or from above? At the end of a conversation, how do people react? Are they confused or are they at peace? If they're confused, your words and your wisdom was from below. If they're at peace, your words and your wisdom was from above. And then the last thing, ask God to help you speak words of life and words that you will not have trouble giving account for on judgment day. What I put up here, do you need to repent for words you have said. I believe the only way to give accountability for those idle words that we have spoken is to repent of them and let God forgive us and cleanse us from those words of death, those words of tearing people down rather than building them up. 
Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for your word. Father, I know this is a very sobering word because it deals with so much of our life. Father, I just think of hundreds and thousands of words that each of us speak every day. And to think that we're going to have to stand before you one day at judgment and give account of all of those words. Father, I think of the scripture that says, with man things are impossible, but with you all things are possible. And Father, it's, we read that James says that man cannot tame the tongue, but Father, you can tame the tongue. And Father, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would be with each one of us. And Father, you would show us when we say things that are not accurate, when we say things that are hurtful, when we say things that are not pure and peaceable and with meekness and with wisdom. Because Father, we want to be a good testimony to those around us by what we say and how we act. So Father, help every one of us to talk the talk of the gospel and to walk what we talk. That our actions and our words line up and Father, help each one of us in everything that we do to have verbal precision in our speech. And Father, I thank you that even over the last week or so as I've been preparing this message that you've just been convicting me of just simple things, even jests that are made to be funny, that they don't bring glory and honor to you. And Father, help us, as your word says, to put a guard over our mouths. Father, help us to be quick to listen to the voice of your spirit and very slow to speak. And we give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.